just get stuck in a rut. John chapter 15, um, something um, that God has really been pushing at me lately, um, and uh, I spoke on this recently to our college and career class, but really felt um, burdened to share this with y'all tonight. Um, really something that's been a challenge to me throughout my life ever since college, um, but uh, recently it's just kind of come back and uh, just can't help but share it. So it's John chapter 15, um, and we're just going to be talking about abiding tonight, abiding in Christ. Recently, I visited a gentleman who was out of work uh, because of an injury, and he lived alone. And from what, what it sounded like, he literally played video games all day long. That's all he did. Um, I mean, for the most part, obviously, he ate and slept and all that. Um, but that is how he occupied his time. He didn't have anything else to do. He just played video games all day long. Um, and when I was a teenager, that would have sounded incredible to me. Like, wow, you get to do that all day long. What in the world? Uh, that would have been, that would have been my dream come true right there. Uh, a lot of teenagers probably in our church would say that. Um, but, uh, it was interesting to, as we got talking to him and got to know him a little bit more, you know, he, he was, he was doing what entertained him. But he was absolutely bored to death. <laughs> he was miserable doing what he was doing, um, even though he was doing what entertained him, what, what seemed fun to him. You know, there's a lot more to life than just doing what you enjoy doing. There's a lot more to life than being entertained. Uh, and I feel like, especially my generation, um, but even into the older generation, um, we, we tend to think toward what do I enjoy doing so I can occupy my time with it. Um, there's a difference. There's a stark contrast between that, and we're going to pursue that a little bit further, and abiding in Christ. Um, and just titled this sermon, Abide, um, because that's exactly what we are called to do in the scriptures. We are to abide in Christ. Let's start in verse 1. We're in John chapter 15. Let's start there in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Our first point tonight is the caretakers of the branch. The caretakers of the branch. If we look there in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine. Jesus Christ is talking here, and he says, I am the true vine. Um, denoting that Jesus is that trunk of the tree, per se, or that main vine from which the grape branches would branch off of. Jesus Christ is the vine. And he says, my father is the husbandman. The father is the one that takes care of the branches or of the vines. Um, the father is the one that is the caretaker. 
And I think that's neat. I think that's really neat that he gives us this picture, not of God in heaven standing off and just hoping that everything turns out okay. No, God is directly involved in his creation, and he's seeking to take care of what he's created. Um, Just like the good shepherd takes care of the sheep, this picture gives us the idea of a husbandman that prunes and takes care of his branches so that they'll bring forth more fruit. Jesus Christ is the vine. God is the husbandman, the one that takes care of us. Second point, there's several points here. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll go through them pretty quickly, though. Number two is the helplessness of the branch. The helplessness of the branch. Look at verse four there. We'll keep reading. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. That's a powerful last statement there that it gives us. For without me ye can do nothing. What if I went out uh, to the front of the building out here uh, toward the parking lot, and I saw, found one of our beautiful trees out there, and I just ripped one of the branches off, and I stuck it in the ground and said, grow. What do you think would happen? Probably not much. It would wither away, and it wouldn't do anything profitable, that's for sure. Um, That's the idea here, that the branch can't do anything of itself. If we were to tear that branch off of the tree, um, it, there, there is no life in it. It cannot do anything of itself except it's abiding in the vine. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean when we say, when God says, without me, you can do nothing? Does that mean that we can't breathe without God? That we can't eat without God? That we can't function without God? Surely. Definitely, that's exactly what it means. Without me, you can do nothing. I I love um, breaking this down word by word. The word without could be translated as apart or severed. Just like I would sever off that branch of one of the trees out there. It says, without me, severed from me, ye can do nothing. And those three words, can do nothing, is one Greek word that means have no power. It's, it's the word dunamis that we get our word dynamite from or dynamic, powerful. Um, without me, you have no power to do anything. We cannot do anything with, without God, much less live in a righteous way without God. Um, yes, we can fool people as much as we want without God. Uh, we can pretend like we're living for him. Uh, we can have on all the outside appearances of a good godly Christian, but without God, we have no power. And that leads us into our third point in verse six, the uselessness of the branch, the uselessness of the branch. Suppose, um, I was outside by the dumpster one day, and um, Tammy Bryson and Jamie Ingleman are here, and they're uh, cleaning the church, and they see me out by the dumpster with one of their brand new vacuum cleaners. 
I don't know if we got any brand new vacuum cleaners recently, but every once in a while we'll get a brand new vacuum cleaner. And they see me out there by the dumpster with the vacuum cleaner, and I'm just about to throw that thing into the dumpster. And they come outside and say, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Aaron, what are you doing? We just got that vacuum cleaner. And I say, well, I tried to turn the thing on. It won't work. Um, it's, it's, it's completely useless. I step on the power, power and it, it doesn't do anything. And they say, well, do you mind if we have a look at it? So I'm like, okay, go ahead. So they take it back in the church, and they plug it into the wall, and they step on the power button. Sure enough, fires right up. And I say, oh, I guess I should have plugged it in before I tried to step on the power button. That would have helped a little bit. They would probably think I'm absolutely crazy, right? <laughs> Faster air. And of course you have to plug the vacuum cleaner into the wall in order to get it to work. Uh, otherwise, you don't have any power. It, but it's just as crazy for me to try to live the Christian life unplugged from God, unplugged from the vine. Just as crazy as it is to try to use a vacuum cleaner without plugging it in. Maybe they have battery-powered vacuum cleaners these days. I'm not sure. But most of them you've got to plug in anyway. And uh, that, that is what our Christian life looks like. We, in order to have power, need to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit, to God. And that is what gives us our power. Otherwise, we're useless. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Talk about useless. Wow, this is, this is about as useless as you can get. This is a branch that's no longer bearing any fruit, and it says that uh, it is cast forth as a branch. It withers. Men gather them up, cast them into the fire, and they're burned. This is, I believe, talking about a Christian who has come so far from God that he's no longer useful for God. And the reason that I believe this is that when we talk about branches, we are talking about Christians. We're talking about children of God. Um, and that's, uh, if we go back to the first two verses, I think I can prove that. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So this is a branch that is in Christ. He's saved. He's had salvation. Um, but he has become useless because he's not plugged in. He may be on the tree. He may look okay, um, but it's not going to stay that way forever. Eventually, he is going to wither. He's going to be cast forth, and he's going to be burned. And that's, that's a very sad state of a Christian that's come that far away from God. But it does happen. Uh, I remember messages when I was growing up, um, when I'd be listening, and it would scare me um, to think that there are some Christians, and the Bible talks about um, God taking the life of a Christian uh, because he's wandered so far from God. Um, and I believe that is what's being referred to here in these verses. Um, so yes, this is something that we need to take seriously. This is something that is vital to understand that we must make this a priority to abide in the vine, to abide in Jesus Christ um, so that we are not useless. Verse 7, we're going to look at the requests of the branch, kind of changing moods here. And I, I love, it kind of took us to a low point, didn't it? It talks about 
It talks about, kind of introduces us to the branches, and then it talks about how without him we can't do anything, we're helpless, um, and then there's a, there's a possibility that we could become useless, but we're about to start getting to the better parts of what being a branch is. We're going to look at the requests of the branch. Look at verse 7 there. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. What a promise. What an incredible promise from the scriptures here that if we ask anything and we are filled with the Spirit, it shall be done. If we are plugged in to to Christ, it shall be done to us. I wonder tonight if you can think of some reason why a Christian would not be getting his prayers answered. Um, I recently went through this with our search for a vehicle. By the way, we're still searching. Um, but uh, we were searching for a long time in a, for a vehicle in a certain price range, um, and it was very difficult to find anything in that price range that was worth, worth getting, uh, that wasn't falling apart. And uh, we were praying and praying, and we, we found a vehicle that we thought was the perfect vehicle. And I've, I've told several people this story already. Um, but... Uh, we just didn't feel peace about it. And we said, God, this is a good vehicle. Why, why, why don't we feel any peace about this? But there was absolutely nothing. We, we had no leading on it whatsoever. And I felt, wow, there's something desperately wrong in my life because I'm praying about this vehicle and I'm not getting leading any direction. And I must be away from God. I must have um, sin in my life, and I was searching my heart, trying to figure out, <laughs> Lord, is there is there something wrong with me? Why am I not getting an answer to this prayer? Um, and it, it came down to uh, the day that I needed to make the decision. We needed to make the decision by uh, a certain day of the week. It was the day before, and I got a text that someone had graciously given some money uh, toward a vehicle that completely changed the price bracket that we were looking in and allowed us to look for vehicles that were in a much higher, (laughs) uh, much, much, much better bracket that would serve our needs a lot better. And I stopped and I thought, God, if I had gone ahead and just moved forward with that, we would have made a big mistake. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, if, we, if we had made that decision one, one day earlier, we wouldn't have found God's best for our life. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes we don't get an answer to our prayer, because God's just saying, wait, wait for me. I've got a purpose in this. I've got a plan. Just wait for me. Sometimes there is sin in our life. There is something that's unconfessed. And God says, in order for me to answer this prayer, there needs to be some changes in your life. You're, you're away from me. There needs to be some changes here, um, and we, we need to fix this. Sometimes God is just trying to teach us patience, right? The trying of your faith worketh patience. And sometimes God wants us to continue to pray. Uh, Pastor talked about this a few weeks a few weeks ago uh, about, the, about importunity, the importunate uh, woman. And... Uh, that it's a great story about how someone just kept at it and kept at it, kept praying and kept asking, and her request was granted. Sometimes God is trying to teach us patience. But I believe that many times, and this kind of overlaps with a couple of the other ones, but I believe that many times when we don't receive an answer to our prayer, 
It's because of this very thing that we're looking at. We are not abiding in the vine. Look at this in verse, verse 7 again. If ye abide in me. That's, that, that's a condition there. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. This is a promise that if we are filled with the Spirit and we're filled with him in our asking, that it will be done for us. So you say, Pastor Aaron, if I'm filled with the Spirit and I ask for a million dollars, God promises to give it to me? Well, let's step back a second. If you're filled with the Spirit and you are praying in the will of God, are we going to ask, God, you've got to give me a million dollars? Um, maybe that million dollars is not the best thing for us. Maybe a Lamborghini is not the best thing for you. Um, being filled with the Spirit means that you are going to ask according to the will of God. Being filled with the Spirit, being, being abiding in Christ, means that you are going to have the right motivation for asking for things. Not so you can get rich, not so that you can have the things that you really want, but you're going to be praying according to what God wants. That's the key here. If you abide in Christ, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you because you're asking according to the will of God. And this is a neat thing. If you know that you're right with God and you know you're asking according to the will of God, you can be 100% certain that that is going to come to pass. What an incredible promise. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, not um, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Our fifth point is the purposefulness of the branch. What is, what is the branch for? What is its purpose? Is it really a purposeful branch? Witnessing to people, what would you say is the most common thing that you hear? When you go door to door or when you witness to someone and you say, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? What is the most common response that you normally get? For me, it's, oh, I hope so. I sure hope I'm going to heaven or maybe, uh, you know, if you ask him 100% sure, are you 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven? A lot of times you'll get, well, I don't know if anybody can know 100% sure that they're going to heaven. And you get that all the time, so many times. I don't know if you have that, I don't know if you have that experience as well. Um, But it, it happens a lot for me. You find a lot of them are bent on the fact that we have to do good things to get to heaven. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me, and I was saved when I was six. Um, But if I'm not doing good things, or if I go out and murder someone, then I'm going to, I'm going to go to hell. Or, um, you know, these, these people that do really, really bad things, they're, they're not going to go to heaven. And you find that over and over and over, people that say you have to do good things to get to heaven and Jesus Christ. And we, we give the example, uh, a lot of times when I'm on, when I'm on visitation, I'll, I'll give them the example, you know, if I'm putting my faith in two things, or if I'm putting my trust in two things, Jesus Christ and works, then I don't really have faith. I don't really have that trust. Just like if I'm, if I'm going to be um, sitting down on this pew up here, but I don't 
really put all my weight on it. I'm putting some of my trust in my legs, and I'm putting some of my trust in this. I'm not really putting my trust in this pew. I really don't have faith in that pew. It's not until I completely put my faith in this pew that I really put my trust in it. Um, and so we talk to people all the time about this, and they, and, and they insist that in order to go to heaven, we have to do good things because they're associating good works with being pleasing to God. Now, good works are pleasing to God. That's a great thing. Uh, and, and, doing, and, and I tell them, um, you know, when we're getting two things confused. We're getting salvation confused with sanctification. Salvation is when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is the good works part. Sanctification is when you have a close relationship with God and there's no sin barrier between you and God. Uh, that's, that's the idea between those, between those two things. Um, but we're talking about the purposefulness of the branch. What is the branch's purposefulness, okay? We're not looking at good works for salvation, but we are looking at good works for sanctification. Let's, uh, let's read the, that verse again, verse number eight. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. That bear much fruit is the good works. That's the good works part, okay? Um, so again, these are already saved individuals. They know they're on their way to heaven, but they are doing these good works not so that they can have great standing with God and so that God will like them. They're doing these good works because they have to, because they're abiding in the vine. It's, it's an automatic thing. We're going to get into that a little bit deeper um, but if we are abiding in the vine, it's a natural response. It's a natural thing that comes from being hooked into the vine. We're going to naturally bring forth good fruit. But what's the response of that? Verse 8, herein is my Father glorified. That's the purpose of the branch, is to bring glory to God, to bring worship to him, to bear fruit not so that they can be seen, not so that we can say, oh, I led five people to the Lord this year, um, not so that my fruit can bring glory to me, but that fruit is to bring glory to God. And it does. That's what it says. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. There's another, there's, there's another uh, result of this. So shall ye be my disciples. Okay, so bearing that fruit not only brings glory to God, but it also allows us to be his disciple. Uh, and that's, that's a wonderful privilege, to be growing and learning under him, to learn more about him, to become closer to him. This is how we become a disciple. And I think all of us in this room would say, Pastor Aaron, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow after God. In order to be a disciple, we have to be plugged in so that we can bear this fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Let's go on. Verse number nine. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue me in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We see three things here um, that are all interconnected in a way. Um, but these are the commands that are given to the branch. The commands of the branch is, or the commands to the branch would be our sixth point here. The first part of that, he says, continue. 
Now, isn't that the hardest thing about the Christian life? Consistency, right? <laughs> we, can, we can be up one day and down another day, and we can be on fire for God, and the next day be down in the dumps. And it's so easy to get ourselves all worked up one day just to find ourselves inconsistent the next day. Um, and this is vital to the Christian life. He says, continue. Continue in what? He says, um, as uh, if, uh, let me find that again. Verse, verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Continue in my love. Um, and that is, that is our first command to the branch. Be consistent in my love. We're going to talk about this a little bit later as well. Uh, we just got a couple more points to hit after this one. Um, but the first fruit of the Spirit, when we go to Galatians 5, we're going to find that the first fruit that we bear from being plugged into the vine, the first fruit is love. And this is the first thing that is given to this, this branch. Continue in my love. Be consistent in love. In other words, be consistently plugged in so that you'll bear that love, that, that fruit of love. Um, be consistent. Continue in my love. Verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Okay, so now he's, he's, he's giving us the key. How do we, uh, how do we continue in love? How do we, how do we keep in, in his love or dwell in his love? We keep his commandments. And that's the second command there. Keep his commandments. I'm, I was telling you, these are all interconnected here. How do we keep God's commandments? We abide in the vine. We are plugged into the vine. That is, that is how we bear fruit. That's how we keep God's commandments. The third thing is abide. Um, there in verse 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Um, so we could really mash those three together and say that it's one big commandment. Um, it's to love God. How do we love God? We keep his commandments. How are we keeping his commandments? We're abiding in him. They're all interconnected, and they're really one command to do those things. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the, of the command to the vine. Continue, keep, and abide. Look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I was telling you that this passage keeps getting better and better and better as we go along. We saw how the, the branch can be faulty, that the branch is useless on its own, um, that, that it, 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 can, it can even be cast away. Um, but then we saw that it has a purpose. The branch has a purpose, um, that there were specific commands and purposes given to this branch. And now we see in, in our seventh point here, the joyfulness of the branch, the joyfulness of the branch. God doesn't just say, okay, you branch, grow there and be miserable your whole life. Uh, he, he doesn't expect us to do something that's going to be uh, depressing all of our life. He gives us a task to do that brings us joy. Isn't that incredible? That God would say, yes, I have something specific for you. I have a specific task, but it's not just for me. It's going to bring you joy 
when you do it. Look there in verse 11 again. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We've had two babies pretty close together, back to back, and we've had a lot of babiness in our house, <laughs> a lot of crying and a lot of, uh, a lot of laughing, and uh, there's so much that goes into having babies in the house. Um, we're about to have a third one. It's crazy. Um, but uh, it amazes me how fast a baby learns to smile. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that? How fast in just a few weeks they can smile so fast. And that, that just blew my mind. I didn't, I didn't even know that happens. It takes a little bit longer for them to learn to laugh and all that. But they, it, they show happiness at such a young age. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I believe it's because God plants that into us. God wants us to be happy. Do you know that? <laughs> God wants us to be joyful people. God doesn't want us to be wandering around with our heads down and a somber look on our face. And uh, I know some people like that. I know some people that um, just never have a smile on their face. And uh, that's, that's depressing. Nobody wants to look at that all day, right? Nobody wants to see somebody that never smiles um, because it's natural. It's natural, especially to those that know God. Those that know God and are abiding in the vine, they will have natural joy. You say, Pastor Aaron, I'm going through a depressing time. I'm, I'm, gro- I'm, I'm going through a difficult time. Um, yeah, I've been there. I've, 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 I've been in a place where I just couldn't find joy, and I've been depressed, and I know what that feels like. But there's an answer, and there's a solution to that. Um, and it may not happen right away, but as you continue in the love of God, and you keep his commandments, and you abide in his love, he promises to bring joy. It is a promise. He will bring joy to your life. If you're going through a difficult time, that's the answer. And I know it's probably not the answer that you want to hear. Um, and, it, and again, I, I'm telling you, it's not immediate. But if you need real joy and you don't have it now, those are the commands that God gives. That is the solution that God gives to continue in his love. The joyfulness of the branch. Last point tonight. Hey, we might get out a little early tonight. Last, last point here is the motivation of the branch. Look there in verse 12. This is our last verse. He says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. What a neat verse. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. What should be our motivation for anything that we do? What should be our motivation for singing a special or singing up in choir? What should be our motivation for working in the nursery or helping out the wild game dinner? Um, definitely shouldn't be because we have to or because somebody's expecting us to do it or somebody's twisting our arms saying, you need help with this. Um, even though I twist a lot of people's arms to get up here. Um, but that shouldn't be the motivation for serving the Lord. What should be our motivation? Our love for God, shouldn't it? That is, that is our motivation. Because God first loved us, we have a responsibility to love him back. 
And it's not a hard thing. When you think about the love that God has for us, it's not hard to love him back. And if we love God, we're going to do what he says, and we're going to keep his commandments. That's the idea there, the motivation of the branch. Love, as we said before, um, is another fruit that we bear when we are abiding in the vine. Uh, let's turn over real fast to Galatians chapter 5. I just want to look at this real, fit, real fast. Um, because this is the fruit that we get to bear when we are abiding in the vine. Um, we're, we're plugged into the trunk of the tree, per se. And we get to bear very specific fruit. And God gives us an outline of this in Galatians 5. Um, Look there in verse 22, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, so the fruit that we get from abiding in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And I know a lot of people that um, will go out and say, well, I, I need to be more of a meek person. I, need, I really need to work on being more of a meek person. Or uh, I need to be more loving. Or I need to be more kind. Or I need to have more temperance. Um, and maybe they'll go to counseling for that. Or they'll read books on, on, on different things. Or they'll just make up their mind, today I'm just going to try to show love to people. Um, and I've done that. I've, I've, I've made up my mind to try to improve a certain characteristic to, of mine. Um, and you know, it doesn't work. It may be, maybe for a day or two, but it's not consistent. It's not something that sticks around. Um, it's because we go about this in the wrong way. These things, as we said before, these fruits of the spirit are a natural outcropping of abiding in the vine, of being in God these things will automatically come to pass. And I love that love, that charity, that love is the first fruit that's mentioned here because I believe that's the most important fruit to God. He says this is the greatest commandment to love God and the second greatest commandment is to love others as yourself. That's the most important characteristic to God is love. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's the first fruit of the Spirit. He says, Christian, if you are abiding in the vine, you will have love. You will have meekness. You will have temperance, goodness, faith, all of these things. That's such an encouragement. In closing, how do we respond to people that say, well, I'm living in sin and I'm happy. I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I came across somebody like that, a young person, probably not, not much older than me. And uh, I, he's, he's living in sin. He's living in, in this world. And he says, Aaron, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I don't need anything else. What is our response to that? What, what would you say to someone who came up to you and uh, said, I'm happy living in the world? I think the biggest thing that we can say to them is to show them that, yes, there's pleasures in sin. I completely agree that sin can be fun for a season, right? For a season. It's not going to last. This is not true joy. When, uh, think, think, think forward 5, 10, 20 years, the sin that you're doing now, is that going to bring you joy 20 years from now? Never. Never. That's, that's not, uh, it's, it's not going to bring any fulfillment 20 years from now. 
If I go out and I lead someone to the Lord today, is that going to bring me joy 20 years from now? You betcha. Definitely. That, that is going to bring joy for the rest of my life and through eternity when I get to know that that person is living in heaven with God for all of eternity. That brings true lasting joy. True joy and happiness does not come from doing what we enjoy. Doesn't come from playing video games all day long. Hate to break it to you. Doesn't come from watching movies all day long, reading books all day long, or doing your favorite pastime all day long. That's not going to bring true joy and happiness. It doesn't come from doing what we want to do. It comes from being what God wants us to be. That is the key to the Christian life. Be what God wants you to be, and you will have joy. You will have happiness. You'll have love. You'll have faith, meekness, temperance. All those things that are so coveted by this world, you will have it. It's a promise. Hope that's a blessing tonight. Hope it's a challenge tonight. Abide in the vine as God wants us to, and we'll have much, much more fulfilled Christian lives. Let's pray.